0: It is often stated that of all the theories proposed in this century, the silliest is quantum theory. In reality, in this universe, The Silliest Thing is a podcast hosted by Kavi and Benjamin. So if you think quantum theory is silly, just listen to the show and you will see what silly really is. They suck? No. <laughs> no, they don't suck. They're kind of cute. And awesome. I
1: like them. I think they're, they're very much overlooked as far as, you know, super massive objects in the universe go. And for those
0: of you who are wondering what we were talking about, I think we've already started recording. Uh, we were talking about black <sighs> holes. Do they suck? No.
1: No. They're cute. In, in no way, shape, or form do they suck. They are awesome. And also physically, they do not suck. That is not the, their primary mechanism. Nope. And that's what we're going to talk about in
0: today's episode. And by the way, welcome to Science Actually Presents the Nerd and the Scientist. I am the nerd, uh, Benjamin. For a second there, I me. thought you forgot your own name. Uh, no, I just debated. Should I just go forward, just call myself a nerd? But I do it with pride. I am the nerd, Benjamin. And Kavi with me is the scientist. And Hello. welcome to Science Actually Presents the Nerd and the Scientist. And today we'll be talking about space myths. Um, And one of them being, the first one on our list is, do black holes suck? Um, Well, they don't suck as in, you know, they're cool. They're actually pretty cool. They don't suck in that manner. But as far as, you know, sucking like a vacuum. Coffee? Coffee? Do they suck like a vacuum? <laughs> Hit the ground running. Copy. Do black holes suck like vacuums?
1: Uh, they certainly do not. They certainly do not. Do they make do a sound Sorry, like I'm a vacuum? Just... <laughs> like. <laughs> oh, that? no. The only vacuum sound I have in my head is that, um, that terrifying vacuum from the Teletubbies. I don't know if you got that in the states yes 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 as but a matter of fact
0: time. by the way they actually yeah. filmed one episode of teletubbies right here where i live so
1: i'm oh, actually really I'm quite familiar yes anyway vacuum but yes no black, black holes do not work like those scary vacuums from uh, the teletubbies or any other kind of vacuum um you know it, it's it's the sort of thing where people try to conceptualize black holes to be similar to uh, I don't know, like a, like a drain or a, a water funnel in the ocean that's like sucking things in, uh, in a kind of active way. But um, black holes are kind of just like any other massive object in space or any object that has mass in that, um, you know, two masses will attract. Um, there's always a gravitational pull that's being enacted from one mass onto the other uh, and vice versa. Um so, in the same way that the Earth is applying a force of gravity pulling us down to its surface, um, we are technically applying a force of gravity to the Earth, but the Earth is just like, nah, I don't care. Not feeling it. Earth way. wins. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, the black hole is basically doing the same sort of thing. Um, it's just that as you get closer and closer to the black hole, that gravitational pull will get stronger. But technically, anywhere in space, uh, there are. You know, infinite numbers of objects that are pulling you towards them. um, But they're not doing so actively. It's it's a passive effect, Mm. right? Things otherwise in space would just be stationary.
0: Correct. I'm telling you, correct.
1: Correct, he says.
0: (laughs) Well, that's the first myth that we're tackling on this episode about space myths. Black holes suck. They do not, they just pull you in with the force of gravity next one on our list of space myths tickles me pink i absolutely adore adore it and i i can't i can't really i'm gonna try to say here it's misconceptions like this that demonstrates the cleverness and the awesome power of having a co-host to a show on one side of the planet and the other because is the earth closer to, is the earth closer to the sun in the summer asked the guy in North America of the guy in Australia
1: <laughs> and We're, who's like, su- technically... and who's summer <laughs> it should it should be summer here but it's not it's been pouring rain for the past few days i think like there are a bunch of cities up and down the coast of new south wales where the state that sydney is in that like over the past two days, have had more rain than they've had since the 1850s, um, mm. despite it being summer. But yeah, that's neither here nor there. Um, no, in fact, it is. It is one of those common misconceptions that I think is proliferated by the fact that it kind of makes a little bit of sense, right? <laughs> um, it's but but it is the in sun fact is warm. Rome. Exactly. Yeah. You think if you get closer to something, you get hotter, but no, the um, the actual change in, in average distance um, between you know, the summertime and uh, the wintertime, the, the Earth isn't that much closer uh, relatively to the sun. It's actually the angle. So the Earth is just in during the summer. It's more tilted towards um, the sun, which means there are more right. direct sun rays that kind of beam down mm-hmm. and
0: create that heat. So when it's summertime in the United States, where I am, I'm tilted more towards the sun. And the in Australia is tilted away, so he gets his winter, and then vice versa. When he gets his summer, it's cold here. And I live in the San Francisco exactly. Bay Area, so the the weather just pretty lame all year round. So we're just always tilted somewhere, then it just stays there.
1: Just the ones tilted. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Ah, this is turning out to be fun. Myth space <laughs> myth number three.
1: Kavi, number three.
0: Is the sun? Number Bernie? three. Is the sun on fire?
1: I think uh, I think this is well no. The answer is no. The sun is not on fire. Um, <laughs> this is another one of those myths that it kind of makes sense uh, why people would think that but it's, it's not about it being on fire. It's just extremely hot. And on Earth, when things are extremely hot, they can you know interact with oxygen, spontaneously combust. Um, but the sun is not, in fact, on fire. It's not a ball of fire. It's a ball of very, very hot gas that is being pulled inwards by the forces of gravity with so much uh, force and pressure that ultimately it can fuse hydrogen into helium at its core. And that fusion creates radiation and heat that pushes outwards. So uh, that is what we're seeing the effects of, this kind of radiation that's super, super duper intense, super hot, um, but not technically on fire.
0: I I have a follow-up question. Yes, you in the back. uh, Me in the back. Sir. Um Every time I watch a, video, a time-lapse photo, a video of the sun, which is absolutely beautiful, and you can find it online all over the place. To our listeners, you can watch sunspots coming into being and fading away and going around, whatever. Um, but in regards to is, is the sun burning? Is the sun on fire? Those massive prominences that shoot out, these big arcs mm. of glowing hot stuff, that's not fire. That's plasma
1: yeah yeah you're spot on that stuff is plasma uh basically you know nice <laughs> for the wind <laughs> uh, every time uh you see one of those prominences what you're basically seeing um is magnetic behavior right so you know that you know uh, objects like the earth and and stars have these huge magnetic fields um that go all over them, Uh, but what you have on the sun and on the surface of stars are these kind of more localized magnetic loops. Um, And the plasma that you're seeing this super hot and super electrically charged. Plasma actually is kind of like, you can picture it as the magnetic field um, being frozen into or or stuck onto that particular filament of plasma. and so it's, it's basically superheated and electrically charged gas that uh, when two ends of it connect, like those sunspots, right, are the, right. Are the magnetic footprints, um, the points where they kind of go from one part of the surface to the other. So when those two reconnect, you basically have a whole chunk of plasma that is then let loose off the surface of the sun. Uh, and, that's, and that's what you're saying.
0: There you go. So it's not on fire. It's just plasma shooting all over. Yes. Ah, (laughs) Man, this is a fun one. Moving along. This is a fun one, actually. Uh, I run a lovely Facebook page called Science Actually, where we have daily science facts. And one of them that I caught heat from the other day was this misconception about the asteroid belt. Um, I love this misconception because I also love the Empire Strikes Back and there's an excellent scene where the Millennium Falcon is being chased through an asteroid field and there's rocks all over the place and they're slamming into each other and there's no safe place to go. And that could not be more further from the truth (laughs) to what our asteroid belt is. Um, The asteroid belt is supposedly a very cluttered, very hazardous place but in actuality Like everything else in space, it's mostly...
1: M.D. Yes. Wait, so what flack did you get for it online?
0: Ah! I I, I think it was in reference to... uh, I get people making lovely comments online publicly, but I also get the occasional more strongly worded email. Uh, And it was in regards to my commenting that uh, if you send a spacecraft or a probe through the asteroid field or the asteroid belt that we have, you have a hmm. 99.99% chance of just cruising right through, not only not hitting anything, not even seeing anything, and it takes considerable more effort to actually target an asteroid Inner astro built just for a flyby never mind landing on it or orbiting it just just getting close enough to get, take a picture that takes <laughs> so much more effort than actually just cruising through and um the some emails i got which i promptly delete because they're just, <laughs> you, that was just can't re- you just can't reason uh <laughs> it, it was um basically it's people who are following the news like when we we hit Bennu and we got an asteroid sample and brought it back of course we did because it's so easy to go out there and hit one and just grab the stuff and bring it back. Asteroids must abound but in reality what people don't want to accept is that it's very very hard to do what they (laughs) did to get to an asteroid To impact it or to take a sample from it or to just go around it a couple times. It's insanely difficult. We're talking about very sparse, sparse, small objects that have very little, if any, gravity of their own. Um, It's it's a challenge. But yeah. And I hogged the spotlight on this one because in my notes I wrote Empire Strikes Back.
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah any i I won't fault you any opportunity to talk about uh the original trilogy is absolutely fine in my books um yeah no i i love this idea that that seems to come up in almost every episode of uh of the star wars saga there's always a chase you know in an asteroid belt um and in all sci-fi, really, it seems to just keep repeating and this idea that you have to dodge and weave and you have, there's always one shot, right? In every asteroid chase in sci-fi history, there's always one shot where there are two asteroids colliding, right? Right. And just before they collide, the spaceship goes through. <laughs> it's like, no, like you're talking about hundreds of thousands of kilometers on average distance between asteroids and an asteroid belt.
0: I didn't know it was that far, but Like
1: I knew it was far. Wow. I mean, uh, even, even um, the rings of Saturn, like the rings of Saturn, there are some denser regions, right? Because the rings are basically made up of a bunch of smaller pieces of rock and ice and and smaller asteroids. But even there, like you could you could weave through that. I think. Wait, now I'm not sure. Well, <laughs> well, we should go there. We should go there and check. Uh-huh. <sighs> Do we have time for one more before the, uh, before the, let's do one more real fast.
0: Uh, Hey everybody at home and Kavi, who I'm talking to directly. What color is the sun? I
1: say it's yellow. What do you say? I disagree. I think the sun is not yellow. (laughs) (laughs) No, the sun, the sun has a whole range of colors that it gives off. Um, I think it is because of the atmosphere that we appear to perceive it as yellow because certain wavelengths make it through the atmosphere and certain wavelengths don't. Um, I think it's probably closer to a whitish sort of color, but um, it gives off you know, a whole range of light across the electromagnetic spectrum, across even the visible spectrum. Um, what's super interesting about this is that the the kind of most uh, powerful? I believe um, if if you look at like the um, the amount of light coming from the sun as a function of wavelength, the greenish yellow or more green colours are the most powerful ones. Mm. There's the most light coming from that, and uh, in terms of what makes it through the atmosphere, um, and that is part of the reason why plants are believed to uh have green leaves and green surfaces because that allows them to most efficiently photosynthesize okay this show's getting (laughs) so good
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome so if i'm on the international space station and i go for an eva and i'm outside and i have my little Helmet on, and obviously, and I had the little sun shaded down, that's what I was going at. And I look at the sun, I would see a whitish ball as
1: I'm outside. The yeah, that is so I believe cool. it would be more whitish. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> is it time? You look like you need, a, yeah. You look like you need a break from from all of this mind blowing science.
0: My mind's getting blown a little bit. Just, just teensy you bit. Just, just a little bit. Hey, Kavi. Hey. Have bitch. you ever wanted to uh, visit Antarctica, but you're afraid of falling off the edge? Wait, what? Yeah. Well, fear no more, thanks to Yuri Gagarin's extra strength, fully elastic, 100% locally sourced and biodegradable, life saving Antarctic Edge bungee cords. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. No way. Now you can lean over the edge of this fine, flat world and see the turtles all the way down with your own eyes without the fear or worry, thanks to the safety and security of Yuri Gagarin's Antarctic Edge Bungee Cords. They'll hold you in place, and should you slip, spring you right back up onto terra firma. And did I mention ladies and gentlemen? That's right. Yuri Gagarin's Antarctic Edge Bungee Cords now fit all shapes and sizes and come in a variety of colors. Salmon pink. Willow Blend Turquoise, Mint Green, Canary Yellow, Powder Blue, and new this year for those formal events, Electric Red, Orange, and Black. Call now and get your very own Yuri Gagarin Antarctic Edge bungee cord before planning your next trip to the edge of the world. Call now.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was... That was the best commercial that we've ever had on this show, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, I was in
0: tears writing that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask about the refund policy, but I didn't want to interrupt you.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. A refund policy. Could you imagine? (laughs) What if
1: it doesn't work? What if I fall off the edge? What if? What if? That would be great. But at least to be stylish because it comes in colors. I love the colors. <laughs> what was that second color after the salmon?
0: Uh, salmon pink, then willow blend turquoise.
1: Willow blend turquoise. Yes. I have never heard before of willow blend turquoise. Well, I made it up and
0: <laughs> I gathered a bunch of uh, colors from... Uh, What were the most popular colors in uh, advertisements from the 1950s? So salmon pink, mint green, canary yellow. Those are very popular back then. And there is a willow blend blue. But I thought I'd just make it turquoise. It sounded great.
1: I love it. Bravo. Absolutely bravo to you, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Oh, wow. Um, and speaking of the things that are made up, um, shall we return to our countdown?
0: Yes, the let's return the to our countdown. Uh, <laughs> let's go back. Let's go to uh, a topic that we covered in a previous episode, which are the constellations. Um, mm-hmm. All the imaginary pictures that we draw in the sky I go from star to star to star because those
1: stars are close together are they yes. that close together well they they are in fact almost entirely not close together um the fact that we see constellations making pretty shapes in the sky is basically the same as seeing a cloud formation happening to look like a particular shape um and as we discussed in in previous episodes there are uh, probably only a handful of cases where there's actually any sort of connection between those stars, Uh, one of the best examples being the Pleiades or the Seven Sisters constellation, which is um, actually a cluster that are, you know, tied together, but when it comes to uh, the rest of the constellations, they're all just random stars at different distances, moving in different directions, but um, just because of where they happen to be sitting relative to Earth, we perceive a particular shape and that's about it
0: that's pretty interesting I love that not only are some of these stars closer and some much much further away if we looked at some of these constellations from the side they would be massively stretched out but also some of those stars and some of the constellations are actually galaxies and they're even more ridiculously far
1: away Science and space—it's great, isn't it? It's great. It's great. It's grand. Speaking All right. Of great. Ah, uh, we're skipping. I think we're actually going. All right, go for it. We 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 can we can skip one just for the sake of the segue and then Let's go, go back. We
0: have a list that we're running off of, and and we just jump one. Here we go. Speaking we'll, of great, we'll jump back. What's great? Speaking of-
1: What's great? Well, what's gr- what's great is the fact that um, I feel like I grew up hearing this. I don't know if you did as well, but people would always say that you can see the Great Wall of China from space. I
0: did uh, hear that quite a bit. That was one of the very first, most popular uh, space myths that came about at the beginning of the space age. Was what could we see? One one of the big things that we did as I guess, a species, when the space race began, was look back to Earth. And so a lot of people thought, what can we see on Earth? And everyone thought, we can see the Great Wall of China! Because clearly we have to be able to because it's so massive.
1: (laughs) Unfortunately not, though. We cannot, in fact, see the Great Wall of China Uh, from space. Try as we might. I think part of the reason for that is that it's just a very thin wall so even if it's quite a long structure obviously you know we're not actually able to see anything that thin uh from space i think though that there are probably some other um, human-made things like like maybe if you take a really good uh, photo from space you could be you could see the uh the pyramids of giza or maybe uh i don't know maybe maybe part of the Great Wall if you're using a really good camera, but I, I'm pretty sure there was a, a NASA astronaut a few years back who actually did try And, you know, he was up there for a while. I think it was Leroy Chow, um, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And I think
0: there he, have been, yeah. uh, the myth is actually so prevalent in the space traveling society, I guess, that uh, the most recent batch of astronauts, Chinese astronauts, are always trying to look back and see their great megastructure, and even they can't see it. They try, but it's incredibly thin and also blends in colors and you can't see it. And that's from low Earth orbit. You really can't see it. These people are like twice that high, like 200 plus, 250 miles up. Low Earth orbit, you can't see it anymore at about 100 miles up. Or Hot the Great Wall of China. Would have been cool. Shame. Speaking of things you can't see. <laughs> see what it did? Yeah. See what I did? Yeah. I see what he did there. <laughs> Does the moon have a dark side? And we're not talking about from Floyd.
1: <sighs> the dark side
0: our second star wars reference of the episode we are so
1: good what do i get if we get to three a virtual high five nice um (laughs) (laughs) but no the moon does not have a dark side um it has a dark side relative to earth so there is a side of the moon that we will not see I guess it would make more sense to call that the far side. Mm-hmm. Like right? the comic. Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, there's... Uh, um, the, the, the far side of the moon is in fact uh, illuminated by the sun. Um, the only regions that you'd actually have on the moon that are in constant darkness would be these very... Uh, very small regions on the poles of the moon mm-hmm. uh, inside deep craters. Um, right. So, those would be like the only true, you know, forever dark spots on the moon. And those are actually really interesting places to explore uh, to look for water ice on the moon. We've
0: actually found it. Uh, not actually physically walked up there and picked it up, but uh, it's been various probes have scan the surface of the moon and have found it. I believe India just landed on the poles and they're the first to ever go there. And so one of their primary objectives is to go and seek out water ice on the moon.
1: Yeah, it's super cool. I, I think their landing uh, was, was the, the, the first polar landing um, obviously right. they couldn't land right on the pole because it's incredibly rocky, but yeah the furthest uh, in the polar region it's it's really incredible that we're living in this age where like we're actively uh, you know finding more and more evidence of these things that would make life sustainable right like if you wanted to build a base on the moon, you couldn't constantly be uh, shuttling resources back and forth so we have to have you know the ability to build things based on you know regolith uh, on the moon regolith being kind of the equivalent of, of dirt or soil or earth but it's not on earth so we call it regolith um so lunar regolith you know we would need to figure out how to use that we would need to figure out where to get water from in situ um these are we're definitely heading in the right direction but these are kind of the problems that we have to solve
0: All Right. since we're talking about the moon there are <laughs> Phases of the moon. There is a full moon, there is a new moon, there is a crescent moon, a gibbous moon, waxing and waning. And these are all caused by the shadows of the Earth in front of the moon. Is this true? Does the Earth cause does, does the Earth's shadow cause the phases of the moon?
1: It does not. Dang the only time that you see the I'm sorry to disappoint. I feel like I'm giving a lot of negative answers today. (laughs) No, the the only reason, uh, the only time that you would see the Earth's shadow on the moon is during uh, uh, an eclipse, um, particularly a a lunar eclipse, which is when uh, the Earth is in between uh, the sun and the moon, and and so the Earth's shadow is projected onto the moon, and the moon's light is uh, blocked. Um, But no, the the rest of the time, the phases of the moon that we see are the result of uh, the relative uh, angle and position of uh, the moon, uh, you know, to us and the sun. So if you imagine that, um, you know, the one side of the moon is going to be completely illuminated by the sun, if that side is in front of us, we will see the full illuminated side. Uh, but if that side is at an angle relative to us, we'll only see part of that side. So we'll see what looks like a partially illuminated moon, even though half of the moon, the half facing the sun will be entirely illuminated. Um, And those are the phases. That's That's how it works. That's how it do.
0: So apart from when an eclipse happens, the moon is always, just like the Earth, half lit by the sun. There you go. Just sometimes we don't see it. Speaking of light. (laughs) Light is not affected by gravity in any way. It just floods the universe and zips around unaffected by anything, not even gravity.
1: Which goes back to our very first myth. This is a lot, and we could go down a rabbit here rabbit hole here, but uh, I reckon maybe we should um uh, try try to contain my excitement about general relativity and speak about this briefly and then um wrap this uh, first yes. episode up um, yes. this is a two parter by the way This is indeed a two parter we We looked at this list of space myths and we said this there's a lot here, this is good content good good yes, good words. Um, no, so, so a light, uh, like most things, um, in, in space time will always travel in a straight line. Um, and that is always the case. Um, but recently, uh, over the past, you know, uh, hundred years or so, we've discovered these weird effects called gravitational lensing where massive objects in space appear to curve the light. Um, it, it almost looks like the light is bending around them. And this is something that I think uh, uh, Einstein uh, had predicted with general relativity, um, mm-hmm. which is a theory of how space curves. And it was the sort of thing that was a lot harder to test in, in his time that would kind of have to look at you know, how the uh, measured position of a planet right or a star right behind the sun or right next to the sun uh, would change from where it's predicted to be during an eclipse, right? Because that's the only time that you can look close to the edge of the sun, um, because it would be the same sort of thing, right? The light from a planet or star that's coming from behind the sun would be uh, warped in a similar way around the mass of the sun. Um, and so and so that's what we've discovered to be true, that um basically, light moves in a straight line, but it is very much affected by gravity in that the space that it's moving through is curved, and therefore the path that we see it take will look curved um, and I think I think that is clear as an explanation it trying to like <laughs> explain if you'd like to see a relativity. picture of what is yeah. trying to
0: explain uh go back do a quick search online for the very first images released by the james webb space telescope it, the very first image itself was a starfield with lots of weird obscured blobs here and there and those were all uh gravitational lensing effects of light yeah. coming from behind
1: or we'll just look at lines. gravitational lensing um, or we'll do
0: that as well yeah yeah you can do that yeah yep. Einstein
1: rings which are these rings, rings around galaxies you know, Einstein crosses all of these cool 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 shapes uh but yeah watch that interstellar
0: uh, movie oh you
1: yeah. can do that they did that pretty cool <laughs> all
0: right that's right, let's let's close up part one of the space myths two-parter uh podcast thing that we're doing with the talking on the internet. Uh, Kavi, where can people find you if they
1: want to talk to you on the interwebs? Um, they can come to my office, um, but mm. if they don't happen to be in Australia, they can find me online um, at Fun Fact Science on all of the good time-wasting platforms. What about Excellent. you Benjamin? Where can, where can the people find you? People can find
0: me uh, not in Australia, where Kavi is, um, and you can find me under the name Science Actually on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter X, whatever, Hive, Mastodon, LinkedIn, Threads, Blue Sky. We're everywhere, but start with the Facebook <laughs> thing and work your way down. Uh, get yourself yourself uh, some daily science facts. And that's it for us for this episode of the science actually presents the nerd and the scientist. We will see you or speak to you uh, for part two of the Space Myths two-parter. Talk to you guys later. See you then. Whoa, well. You've listened to an episode of The Nerd and The Scientist, and half an hour of your life will now be forever spent hearing what Kavi and Benjamin think is funny. But fear not, as there are other timelines in other universes where you didn't listen to them, so you should be just fine.